Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Lease Podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Insamo, joined by my co-hosts, Giuseppe and Daniel. Boys, how are you guys doing today? We got a very fun episode coming out, don't we? Yes, we do. I'm feeling good about today. Uh, a new segment I've never done and I'm looking forward to it. Yep, excited to be back. It's always good to be back here. And yeah, looking forward to it. All right, so uh, let's start off the episode uh, previewing tomorrow night's game against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, after we preview the Ducks matchup, uh, we'll slide over to Sheldon Keefe's Bobby Margarita line, uh, lineup changes, and uh, I know that's one for you, Joe. And then uh, after that, we'll slide over to our mailbag with uh, our mailbag questions from our listeners. So with that, let's get started. The Anaheim Ducks will be at Scotiabank Arena tomorrow night, taking on our Toronto Maple Leafs. There will be no fans in attendance, unfortunately. It'll be an empty building. Um, Dan, let's start off. Let's put a pause right there. Um, you know, do you find, Joe, I know we've talked about this before, but do you find the fans... Okay, hold on. That made no sense. Okay, we're going to have to restart this whole thing. <laughs> I... No, because what happened is I just got from my school. So I was like going off the top of my head and I was just reading it. Yeah. All right. So we'll just tell Dupes to cut it. Cut this part. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Lease podcast. I am your host as always, Joshua Anselmo, joined by my co-hosts, Joseph and Daniel. Boys, how are you guys doing today? You know what, Josh? I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to this episode. We're going to do something I've never done before. And yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I'm excited as well. It's always good to be back here. And uh, we got a good one ahead of us today. So I'm excited. Yes, we do. It will be our first ever mailbag episode of 2022. But first, let's get with tomorrow night's game against the Anaheim Ducks. And let's preview that one. And at the end of the episode, we'll slide over to the mailbag questions after we also go over uh, the Bobby Margarita, Sheldon Keefe lineup changes. So uh, let's start with Anaheim here. You know, I'm sure none of us really have, uh, you know, like a, sh a strong uh, grasp of the Anaheim Ducks, um, given, you know, they're in the Pacific Division, they're out West. But we do know the star players that they have, right? Trevor Zegers, I guess you can still put Ryan Getzlaff in there. A really strong season from Troy Terry. This team, you know, I watched their game last night against the Boston Bruins, which they did win, which helped out Toronto. So, you know, thank you for that. But this is team this season is very mediocre. You know, they're not like first credit to them for, you know, the improvement from last season. But this is still a very mediocre hockey team. Somehow they're second in the Pacific Division. They're in a playoff spot. I think that tells you about, you know, the competitiveness within that division. Um, but this hockey team, like, 
you know, they go on stretches where they look like, you know, they could be a fringe playoff team. And then they just have these stretches as well where they just, you know, go really downhill. And since the pause, like, look at the teams they've beaten. So they lose to Vegas in regulation. They lose to Colorado in regulation. They beat the Flyers. They lose to the Rangers in regulation. They beat the Red Wings in a shootout. Lost to the Penguins. Lost to the Wild. Lost to the Blackhawks. Lost to the Avalanche again. All in regulation. <clears throat> but ever since that game against the Avalanche where they got shut out, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-1. They beat the Boston Bruins 5-3. You know, this is a team, I'm telling you right now, they are mediocre, but man, you never know what Anaheim Ducks team you're going to face because they're so young, but they have such a good mix of, you know, league-wide veterans. Um, it's a very hard team to predict. So, Dan, let's get started with you. Is there anybody on Anaheim that you're really looking forward to seeing tomorrow night? All right. Um, yeah, I'll touch up a little bit on Anaheim first. Yeah, they seem to be a very inconsistent team, if you want to say. They show glimpses of them. Uh, performing really well, but they also have had some eh, decent, not great games. But yeah, looking forward to watching, I'd say Jamie Drysdale, only because he's a great young player. I've had some experience playing against him in my past. Maybe we'll touch up on that a bit later. He's a great defenseman. Love to see him play. Also, Trevor Zegers. It's always sick to watch him play. He's so creative with what he does with the puck. So maybe he pulls off some of his... Uh, some of his tricks against the Leafs and might be interesting to watch. Hopefully it doesn't result in uh, a loss for the Leafs, but it would still be cool to see him do something. Uh, yeah, you know what, Daniel? I agree with you seeing Drysdale and uh, Zegers especially. Zegers has had a lot of attention on him this year, especially after the whole behind-the-net Michigan pass to Milano. But you know what? I look forward to watching Ryan Getzlaff, you know, he's a familiar face. He's been in the league for a while. He's still putting up decent numbers. He's got 26 points in 36 games. So not his best, but at the same time, you know, as, as experienced as he is in the league and he's still doing as well as he is, I, I find that really impressive. You know, the common thing with these Anaheim Ducks teams in the past is, They've been very hard to watch, uh, not because of the players they have on the roster, but in terms of their offense. You know, this was a, a Ducks team for a couple of years that they weren't really known for goal scoring. They didn't really have that offensive flair that, you know, attracted viewers. Uh, I remember last year they were like top three worst hockey teams in almost all offensive categories. But, you know, I talked about earlier on in this episode that, you know, the improvement they've made. Well, now they're more in the middle of the pack which if I'm a Ducks fan, I'm taking that. That's that's a success, right? You know, they're 20th in goals per game league-wide, which is a huge jump from where they were last year. You know, they're shooting the puck a lot more. They're almost, you know, league average there. They're at 17. Uh, the power play has even been, a you know, a huge surprise. It's tied for eighth right now. And Dan, like you said, Drysdale, that's credit to Drysdale as well. You know, he's done really, uh, you know, a really good job running that back unit. And he's so young. And like you said, he's a great skater. So I'm definitely looking out for him tomorrow night. But this whole Ducks team has really transformed themselves. And they've been a really dominant team on the penalty kill. And we've seen Leafs teams this year, uh, you know, teams that the Leafs have played this year, 
um, when they go against a top power uh, penalty kill unit, they usually still do pretty well. Like, you know, the Leafs have a phenomenal power play. Uh, it's been better since Marner's been back. You know, we got that power play goal against uh, the Rangers. So, you know, this is going to be a, another one of those matchups where you're going to look, how can the Leafs power play go against a top penalty killing unit? This Anaheim team is damn good at killing penalties, like I just said. There are no Pittsburgh Penguins. Those guys, you know, shut down the Leafs multiple times this season. But this is still a top three unit league-wide right now. So do you guys have any uh, kind of, I guess, question marks going into this one uh, surrounding the special teams? Because we, we've seen in many Leafs games this year, special teams is huge. It is very pivotal in a lot of games. Yeah, you know what, Josh? I don't think – sorry, Dan, I cut you off there. Uh, I kind of like where the Leafs special units are right now. The penalty kill is extremely impressive. Uh, as we saw, Mitch Marner scored the shorthanded against the uh, Islanders the other night. And the power play, I think the Leafs, they just got to do what they have been doing, you know. Whether it's hot or cold in some games, you know, just – as simple as it sounds, just move the puck and get it on net. Uh, I did notice both teams on the Islanders game, the power play shots weren't extremely high as they should be. So, you know, some stuff you got to work on. But again, I said it, I'm not the coach. If I were the coach, many things would be different. But I like the Leafs special units right now. Yeah, man, like, okay, if this Leafs team's power play is playing the worst uh, worst penalty kill in the league or the best penalty kill in the league, they have, like, enough tools on this power play. They have, like, the playmaking. They have, like, the scoring ability. Like, they have the IQ. They can, they can light up any penalty kill. I don't care. If they stick to their structure, if they don't get too cocky, if they don't, like, slow it down too much, if they, like, focus up and if they have an opportunity to go on the power play against this Ducks team again if they perform to the way they can and don't let up this team can score on any penalty kill all right so uh you know going more to the leaf side now uh you know i i don't think we're gonna see jake muzzin in this one um we might see him on the weekend uh it sounds like campbell's gonna get the start that was confirmed by keith this morning um, but going in net for Anaheim, I think it's almost a guarantee it's going to be Gibby. And uh, Gibson is one heck of a goalie. Uh, you know, he's been rock solid for many years, even with the really bad Anaheim Ducks teams in uh, the last recent years. John Gibson has usually played pretty well against Toronto. I know he's had, you know, a couple recent starts where he hasn't gone his way against us. But uh, are you guys nervous about, you know, Gibson having one of those, uh, you know, stellar performances? Uh, you know what? I'll start it off. I don't think, like we've said it before, the Leafs have outstanding offensive firepower. Uh, I think, I don't think it's a matter of how well Gibson will play, but how well the Leafs will play because, you know, you have so many key assets, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, even Ilya Mikheyev, who's pretty hot right now. You got so much offensive firepower, but as we've seen the problems with the Leafs, it's not getting the pucks past the goalie. It's just playing a good game. So 
I think Gibson could have the game of his life uh, tomorrow, but it really just depends on how the Leafs are clicking. Also, you can't really, like, think of it that way. Like, okay, what if this goalie has a great game or, any, or anything like that? Can't really worry too much about that because we've seen that, like, a, a goaltender could win a team a game. Like, we saw it against uh, against the Coyotes. Vegemalka had an outstanding game, and he, you could arguably say that he was the reason the Coyotes won that one. Shesterk in the first time the Leafs played them was unreal. That was a big help in the Rangers winning the first game against the Leafs in the season series. So anything could happen. You could also say Campbell could stand on his head and win the Leafs the game. You could say Gibson's going to stand on his head and win the Ducks the game. You just, you can't really worry too much about like saying, oh, what if that happens? What if this happens? But yeah, as long as they play their game, even if Gibson's playing great, our offense is also great. So I don't think it should matter too much, but can't really worry too much about it. Yeah, that's uh, kind of the reason I brought up Gibson and his performance for tomorrow night. I truly believe, looking at this Ducks roster, that John Gibson is that X factor of that hockey team in Anaheim. If Gibson's on his game, this is a very good Ducks team. They have a veteran blue line. You know, they got Shattenkirk, Lindholm, Manson, who, you know, is well-known in Leafs media. That guy's been talked about and potential trades to Toronto for like at least three years now. Um, and, you know, they have those young guys, like you said, they have Mahura, they have Drysdale. This is a very good hockey team in both ends of the ice. They can score, but they could defend. They just can't do it consistently to make them an elite hockey team. That's why they kind of fall into that mediocre category. But this is a dangerous Anaheim team. Like, see, Tampa Bay, when they got blown out 5-1 in Anaheim, I'm sure Tampa Bay thought, you know, they were going into – you know, a weak kind of division here on the road swing. And they really took it to them and credit to Anaheim for that. And then they went to Boston and Boston's a tough place to play uh, when you're away from home. And they went into TD garden and they got the win. They, the game, the score finished five, three, but the game, I think they led it like five, one at one point, like Anaheim really had a solid game. And uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to be all uh, motivated for tomorrow night and it's going to be tough with no fans, you know, but uh, it's definitely going to be a fantastic game, given the young stars that are going to be in both lineups, like Matthews versus Zegris. You know, that's going to be the first time these two are going to be meeting in Toronto. You know, they met already at the start of the year in Anaheim, but this is only the second time we're going to see these kind of future NHL superstars when they take the league as their own. And, you know, when the Ovechkin and Crosby era starts to fade away, this is going to be the next generation of that to come. So I'm really looking forward to this game tomorrow night. Um, I think both teams are going to be fun to watch uh, going into the second half this year. But, uh, you know, it's you know, like we said earlier, we haven't really talked about Troy Terry that much, but he's just returning from injury too. And I think that was a reason why, or COVID protocols, whatever it is, I think that was a reason why the Ducks kind of fell into that, you know, down stretch. Because Terry, when he's playing with Getzlaff, He's had a really good season. That point run he had, you know, that point streak, that was incredible where he went up against McDavid. Um, you know, he was healthy scratch the first game of the year. Really had a season, like this season, come out of nowhere. And credit to him for that. He's a dangerous player to watch. Uh, Dan, I know you're a big Troy Terry fan. Uh, anything you want to touch up on before uh, we go to the lineup changes for the Leafs? 
Uh, one thing I'm going to say is that like he completely took me by surprise. He kind of came out of nowhere and like started like playing unreal, but he's a fun player to watch. He's been unreal in the ozone. So yeah, he's just, I guess I'll keep it short and sweet and just say, yeah, it's been amazing to watch. I guess Joe, as he's showing me on his camera right now, has him in fantasy. So I guess that kind of makes me lose a little bit of respect for him, but <laughs> man, I like the player. <laughs> All right. Yes. Troy Terry. Very fun to watch. Fifth round pick really making an impact. You'd love to see it no matter what team they're on. I love, uh, you know, the kind of underdog and late round uh, stories, but Sheldon Keith yesterday at uh, least morning practice decided to make a couple massive moves that, you know, was extremely blown out wide by the media about how the Leafs leading point getter right now is moved to the third line. And I'm going to let you guys start off with this one because uh, we do have a mailbag question resulting to this topic. So you guys go first. Uh, tell me, what do you guys think about Nylander joining David Camp and Kerfoot on line three? And uh, after that, I'll read us our mailbag question. I'll uh, give my opinion on it. Yeah, Josh, I'll touch up on that. Uh, I honestly don't think it's that terrible of a move. You know, obviously, you'd want to see Nylander in the top two playing with Tavares as he has all season. But, you know, the Leafs' offense is very well-structured with good depth. You know, bringing Andre Kasha to the first line with Matthews and Bunting and Marner to the second line with Tavares and who did you say? Mikheyev? Kerfoot. It's going to be Kerfoot, Camp, Nylander, Tavares, Mikheyev, Marner, yeah. Kasha, Matthews, Bunting as the top nine. So you know what? Instead of a fully loaded first two lines, I think it's Keith is seeing more of a still very offensive but more balanced top three lines, which, you know, going throughout the game in the third period where the Leafs haven't been that strong, having this balance will probably keep the team running, keep the team from, as we saw in the past couple of weeks, blowing leads. So I'd like to see it work, but obviously if it doesn't, then Keith will be under some heat. Yeah, I'll touch up on that as well. You can clearly, clearly see what this team's trying to do. They're trying to spread out their stars. That's an obvious thing. And I think it is, I think it is a great move. Like we've seen from Nylander. He's been one of our most consistent players all year and even last season as well. One of our most reliable players. So I think he'll be he'll be great no matter where he is in the lineup. So I, I'm willing to see uh, what happens. And then I'm honestly okay with it as well. Matthews, obviously, we know he can play with anyone. He's an elite player. So with Kasha and Bunting there, maybe he'll uh, even like help out Kasha because I think this is his first time, if I'm not mistaken, like playing on a line with Matthews or on the first line. So maybe it'll like bring something out in him. And then Marner and uh, Tavares on the same line with Mikheyev, I think that's also a great move just also because Marner had a little bit of a slow start, which makes you think maybe he gets in his head a little bit. So maybe like that a support of Tavares, another amazing player, having that on his line is a, a great pairing as well. So I think it, the lines look great. I'm willing to give them a shot, but we'll see how it works. All right. So the question comes in from Chris Merrick on the Instagram. Uh, he says, 
are the Leafs making a mistake splitting up the core four into three lines, or will it further improve the team's record? Um, so before I give it back to you guys, I'm going to start off with, I think this is a good move. And here's why. This Leafs team, the way it's set up, is built not for one singular cup run or deep playoff run. This is a team now that has the foundation to build a dynasty-like type vibe here in Toronto. You know, these guys aren't old veterans. They're not 27 years old. These are young players who, yes, I know Matthews only has about two and a half years left before he enters free agency. Same with Nylander. But throw all that to the side. Let's say, just look at this Leafs core. It is still so young, right? So by spreading out Nylander to the third line, we saw Kasha with Matthews, uh, you know, a couple times throughout the season when Marner was out. And he's meshed pretty well. I really like that line with Bunting. You know, I think Matthews, in my opinion, is a much, um, you know, much more of a threat when he has the ability to have the puck on his stick throughout the play. When he's able to drive the play by himself. I think we notice a different kind of vibe to his, you know, abilities. He's a lot more of a different weapon. Um, you know, I kind of think Marner and Tavares are that combo that, you know, you just... You're going to move them uh, occasionally, but they just, for some reason, you always have to go back to it because they fit so well together. You know, Marner's ability to play make and, you know, find open lanes for Tavares to finish the play, they they mix so well. So I'm really good with those two being back together. Uh, you know, we've seen both those guys have career seasons when they're on the same line. So I'm, I'm okay with that. The only question I have is when we go look at the bottom six now, and this is why they have made moves like this, you know, putting Nylander on the third line. This is not a demotion in any way. Sheldon Keefe said that multiple times yesterday in his uh, press conference. Putting Nylander in the bottom six, I think, gives the Leafs more consistency, but it also gives them more of an offensive threat. This is a Leafs team where I know we kind of have emotional attachments to some of the players. Like, I'm never going to say a bad thing about Jason Spezza. At his age, for the money he's making, I cannot believe the production he's given this Maple Leafs team. Same goes for Wayne Train. You know, I loved Simmons uh, when he was with Philly. You know, he plays the game hard. He's physical. And uh, he also was scoring goals at a rapid pace. But these guys, they haven't been that consistent offensively this year. You know, I think Simmons, I, I don't think Simmons has a goal in his last eight games. And I think he also had a stretch in the middle of the, uh, at the start of the year where he didn't have a goal for 14 games. Now we go look at uh, Spezza. I think Spezza is somewhere in the 12 game area where he hasn't scored. I know he hasn't scored a goal in his last nine. I'm pretty sure. So, you know, we're looking at this bottom six. The offensive threats aren't really coming from down there. You know, it's really putting the pressure on the top six. And, I think you need to see more from the bottom six because we've seen. So when I brought up the dynasty talk early on, um, you know, when I started uh, talking about this segment, there's teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Tampa Bay Lightning who won back-to-back, right? Now, if you guys consider those dynasties, whatever, I think in a cap era to go back-to-back is extremely impressive. And what I see with the Penguins and the Lightning and their back-to-back runs was the depth from the bottom six and their offensive ability. Now, 
the Penguins, I don't know if you guys remember this, but they had this line called the HBK line, where it was Hagelin, Nick Benino, and Phil the Throw Kessel. That line is probably the reason the Penguins won the Cup that year. You know, a lot of people were like, why are you putting Kessel on the third line? Sort of similar to how people are acting right now. You know, Kessel was having a very good season. I think he had 109 points with Pittsburgh that year. And then Sullivan, the head coach in Pittsburgh, decides to put him on line three. And, you know, this team had a phenomenal playoff run. And this line was incredible. They single-handedly took out Washington out of the playoffs. And I really think you can see that build here in Toronto. You know, David Camp, here's the one problem leading to the trade deadline. David Camp is not an offensive threat. So if I'm looking at pieces to add to the deadline, I would potentially look at a depth center with a little more offensive ability than David Camp just to plug in there, right? So somebody like a Cody Eakin, I know his contract's pretty high, but a guy like Cody Eakin or even Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom is young. He hasn't had a great uh, you know, run with Chicago lately. Uh, I think the asking price is a mid-round pick. If Dubis wants to pay that fee, I know we have very little draft capital, but I think Strom can slide right in here on the third line, and he has the offensive ability to play with William Nylander. But the problem is, though, is this bottom six, you're not getting enough out of it. And whether that be via trade or, you know, calling up prospects, I'm going on a run here. Uh, I'll send it over to you guys. But do you guys agree? Like, would do you think David Camp is going to be able to – play on that line with Nylander because he is not really known for his offensive abilities. We've seen it all throughout his, I'm pulling up his elite prospects right now. I don't think he's had a goal uh, season where he scored over 17 goals. That just tells you, you know, he's found a way to play in the NHL by devoting his talent to, you know, the defensive side of the puck. Um, do you guys think that David Camp can, you know, solidify this role here as that third line center, or would you prefer somebody, you know, via trade or, uh, Potentially somebody from the Marlies come in and uh, slide in with Willie. Uh, you know what, Josh? I I agree with what you said, Kev. He stayed in the league by just showing his devotion, and I like that from him. But you know what? I don't want to speak on a trade. You know, Dylan Strom, he would be a pretty good addition, especially with Nylander on the third line. But I think it's too soon to think about that because – you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow night with Kampf and Nylander. I do think Nylander will bring out a much more offensive game in Kampf. Uh, You know, Nylander's a very fast skater, good playmaker. So maybe that's Kampf's spark. But, you know, after that, yeah, I guess you do have to look at solidifying, giving Nylander some firepower with him. So... Yeah, you know what? I'm going to stay where I am. I think it's too soon to speak. I want to see how this works out tomorrow. But, yeah, Dan, what do you think? Um, just to, first of all, to touch up on the question from uh, from our buddy Chris. Uh, I think moving Willie to the third line and kind of mixing up our star players, it's, um, it's too early to tell if it's going to be good or bad for us. But in my opinion, I think it could work. I think spreading out the talent definitely like 100% could work. Um, but to touch up on, on camp. Um, oh, and one other thing, it's still like a, we're in a stage of a season where we can test out these things without it, like shooting us in the foot come playoff time. So I think it is a good enough time to, to test this out. 
But yeah, about Camp, I know he hasn't produced too much offensively. Maybe playing on a line with Willie will change that. Um, but at the same time, like a good 200 foot player is a, something I think the the Leafs kind of need, and I think Camp can fill that role as well. So uh, although he hasn't been the best offensively, we have a lot of offensive talent anyways. Like maybe we could look for someone who is a 200-foot player who is a little bit better offensively as well. But Kampf does fill that 200-foot player role. So I, I like him on that third line. But uh, maybe we could look for something or someone that could fill a little bit more of an offensive role that can also play both sides of the puck. Yeah, you know, I do agree in the sense that it is too early to, you know, go out and make a trade. I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to see how Camp plays with Nylander. You know, I talked about him in the first ever episode of the podcast. When he came over from Chicago, he has played with star players like Patrick Kane and stuff. Um, you know, even then, it didn't really bring out his offensive abilities. So I kind of believe that he's found that love for playing the game defensively. And, you know, full respect to him. You need guys like that to win championships. So I'm not saying this guy needs to change his game. Nothing like that. David Camp has been arguably the best signing the Leafs did in the summer. You know, he brings something that this Leafs team has rarely any of. So credit to Camp. But I'm just looking like, you know, when you talk about the trade deadline, you look at kind of more like luxury kind of moves, right? Like this Leafs team, when you look at the deadline, you're like, okay, how can we improve this team that's like top 10 league-wide, top five in the standings, right? Um, you look at luxuries. And I just think that if the Leafs can find – a center who, you know, is versatile. Like even Jared McCann, who, you know, the Leafs acquired from Pittsburgh in the summer and then let him uh, go to Seattle in the expansion draft. He can play center and wing. He also has a really good shot and he can play defensively as well. Uh, not as good as Camp, nowhere near that. But, uh, you know, he's still a really good two-way player. And I don't think Seattle would be asking for a lot given, you know, his contract status. Um, but I'm just saying like, this Leafs team, that fourth line, like you need a dominant fourth line in terms of, you know, not a dominant fourth line to go against top line, but a dominant fourth line when it comes to other fourth lines in the NHL because we've seen that advantage it gives teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so, you know, I think if you just kind of put Camp in that, you know, 4C role with Simmons and Spezza and you dedicate that line to being, you know, a checking kind of shutdown line, you know, uh, you know, the line that Babcock loved using against uh, the Washington Capitals with Plekanec, uh, you know, a line that goes out against the other team's top players. And I know Spets and Simmons are getting up there in age. It might be tough for them to play that kind of role, but you can even have that ability to shift camp up and down the lineup if you need him to play in a more, you know, defensive role, given whatever scenario is happening in that game. But I just think, like, if we're looking in terms of luxury, obviously we know the decor needs a top four right-handed defenseman. That's been talked about for, like, the last three years. So I'm not going to go anywhere near that on this episode. Maybe an episode uh, prior or uh, coming up. But, you know, I just think this Leafs team, you know, if you really put Camp in that 4C role and you bring in uh, – even if you wanted to bring in a Cody Eakin, who – I know I just looked at Buffalo and, you know, the contracts over there and – uh you know, I don't think they'll be asking for much more than a mid-round pick for Eakin as well. So I think you just plug in Ethan, uh, Eakin either at that 4C or 3C role uh, with the wingers. 
You know, I think we could find something here. And I think this is what this Leafs team needs. I think they need that, uh, you know, extra, like, I guess that extra strength from the bottom six. Because, you know, I think Spezza played a total of like seven minutes last game. Uh, and, you know, you don't want that in a playoff series. Like you want to have four lines rolling because those are usually the best hockey teams across the league is when they have four lines rolling all the time without any weak holes. And, uh, you know, Richie obviously didn't pan out here. So I don't think he's going to be the option, uh, you know, the answer. But um, I'd love to see them go kind of attack this bottom six. And I think sliding down Nylander, who, you know, has maybe arguably been the least best forward this season. Obviously, I'm a Matthews guy, so I'm not saying that, you know, Nylander has been the best. But I think a lot of people make a case for that. And I think Nylander as well is really good at driving his own play. And, you know, I think he's going to have this opportunity to drive his own line. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see it. But I'm just saying, you know, if we look at a luxury standpoint, I would love to see them go get that offensive center that can play two ways and then move camp to the fourth line so that we can have a more, um, you know, strengthened forward core. Uh, but obviously you got to find two to tangle and, uh, you know, a trade partner to do it with. So, you know, that's uh, – my kind of take on it. But uh, before we slide to the second mailbag question um, coming up, uh, congratulations to Josh Hosang, who has been named to Team Canada's Olympic roster um, for the upcoming Olympics. Uh, you know, I've been rooting a lot for Hosang this year down with the Marlies. Uh, he's a guy that's really, um, you know, dedicated his. Uh, time to being with the Toronto organization, whether that be with, you know, the AHL Marlies, but, you know, he's turned his game around. Uh, even his, um, you know, it sounds like the way he just sees life and the way he approaches the game has changed. You know, he's just so much more appreciative of this opportunity he has, and he really wants to be with the Leafs. So, you know, I've been rooting for him all year. He's had a great season down there. I'm sure if the Leafs had the opportunity with the cap space and all that stuff to call him up, um, instead of, you know, giving them that little stream. I think if they had a full-time kind of role for him, he would definitely be up here. I think a lot of NHL teams across the league are starting to notice what the Leafs have here in the minors. I think he could step in, you know, he was a top prospect into this Leafs bottom six and potentially be that kind of deciding factor to give this team offensive scoring depth. Um, you know, I'm a huge Hosang fan, even when he was drafted. So, you know, congratulations to him, but... Do you guys want to say anything, uh, Josh, uh, as he goes on to the Olympics? Yeah, I do. Uh, I've seen him in the Marlies a little bit. He's been on the highlights quite a bit, especially at the beginning of the season. I really hope something with the cap space works out and he can become a Maple Leaf for the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, you know what? Representing Team Canada, it's a very, uh, very big deal. It's a very prestigious honor. So, uh Wish him and the Canadians good luck. Yeah, big congratulations, especially uh, someone in the Leafs organization. It's always nice to see that. And, um, yeah, it's honestly exciting to see uh, the bright future that the Leafs have if we can bring this guy up to our team. All right. Yes. Bring home gold. I'll be rooting for you. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. It actually kind of gives me more of an interest in uh, the Olympics, seeing, uh, you know, Ho Sang on the roster and uh, all the other young Canadian top prospects like McTavish and Owen Power. 
even Devin Levi, who had a really good World Juniors last year as a seventh-round pick. I think that's impressive. But now it's time to head to the next mailbag question. Um, this one comes in from Ash at Clendel Wark on Twitter. Uh, great follow if uh, you, you enjoy the Leafs. Um, she asks, do you think the Toronto Maple Leafs will win a championship in the next five years? And I know this is a topic we talk about basically every day off camera uh, within our friend group. So let's send this one over right to Joseph. Joseph, you start this one off because I know you're anxious to talk about this one. So you're asking about the next five years, and my immediate answer is yes. You know, we already touched on it upon the, earlier in the podcast where we said this leaps, this leaps depth is not for one year. It's for a dynasty future. So I think if not this year, I do think in the coming four or five years, I, I not only would I want to see the Leafs win the cup, but I genuinely do believe they could. I think, you know, having power like Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander for at least a couple more years does help in that equation. And uh, hopefully Jack Campbell could stay or, you know, I hope, I hope the team, the, the way the team looks now in the next five years, yes. Dan? You know what? Hang on here. Oh, sorry, I had to join from my phone. But, yeah, I can definitely see the Leafs winning in the next five years. Obviously not sure about this year, though, although they do have, like, a strong enough team to go far in the playoffs. I still think the structure of the team needs work. And then there's also some very strong contenders that are just like, they just have been better than the Leafs this year. So, uh, but maybe like, hopefully they can uh, prove me wrong this year, but if not the next five years, I think uh, based on how much this team improves every year, they do have a good chance of winning a championship. All right. So now here comes, you know, the extremely long answer where I go all into depth and talk for about five hours. Um, Leafs, five years, I'm saying two cups. Okay, I'm going bold. I'm saying two cups in the next five years. Um, I know we have this really small window that, you know, national coverage loves to talk about before Matthews and Nylander enter free agency. Uh, it's even something that I've talked about on this podcast. The Leafs have a very good hockey team. And a lot of people derail this team because of what they do in the playoffs. And rightly so. You know, you can't argue that they have disappointed year after year. But, you know, after that loss to the Montreal Canadiens last year, when Leaf Nation was destroyed, heartbroken, probably the lowest I've seen in my lifetime, that picture that came out once the Amazon series was released of Matthews in the change room with Marner, they were the last ones both and pure uh, frustration. To me, that, that gave me all the hope I needed going into this year. You know, that shows these players care. And I know a lot of people just tie, oh, they got paid, that's it for them. No, this Leafs team is deep. Now, here's the thing. The Leafs have had a really good regular season so far. They have a really good team. It's okay to say that, people in Toronto. The Leafs have a very good hockey team here. The problem is, you're going to get really unlucky with who you play in round one. That's either going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Florida Panthers, the Boston Bruins, 
in either one of the New York Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins, or Washington Capitals, because I think Carolina is going to win the Metro. So you're going to play one of those teams. There is not one weak opponent that the Leafs are going to go and try and match up with. There's none. Everybody that makes the playoffs in the East this year is going to be a competitor. And a lot of people talk about the Rangers, and yes, I've said their analytics uh, don't really support that they are a fantastic hockey team if you're more relying off their stars. That's still a team that we just saw a couple nights ago beat Toronto. And, you know, MSG is hard to play in a playoff series. It's loud, and New York alone is crazy in the playoffs. So I know that looks like the weak team. I don't want to touch them. In terms of the Atlantic, when it comes to Boston and Florida and Tampa, none of those teams are teams I want to match up with. But you you got to face the tough teams to win a championship. You can't run forever, right? The Florida Panthers, here's the thing. A lot of people have been riding their sails, right? A lot of – rightly so. That team is so fun to watch. I love watching the Florida Panthers. What Huberto has done this year and Aaron Ekblad, they are absolutely fantastic hockey players. And even Barkov. Barkov, one of the most underrated uh, franchise centers league-wide for the last you know couple of years. He's starting to get recon, uh, recognized now, but he was extremely underrated when he had those like 90-point seasons. This is a Panthers team that has the goaltending. They have Bobrovsky. They have Spencer Knight. They have Jonas Johansson. So, you know, their blue line also, Brandon Montour, Aaron Ekblad, like I just said. Uh, then with that forward core, like th- this is a tough team to play. And it's not going to be easy. And they like to get scrappy. They have Ryan Lombard, who's a player that can easily strike momentum into that team. Hornquist, who's a playoff veteran, two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Penguins in the back-to-back. This is a very dangerous hockey team. However, this might be the league's best opponent given their play style. They can see goals like Toronto. However, I do believe Toronto defends better as a unit. Now, I know the analytics are a different topic that I can go on for hours about, but in my opinion, judging off the eye test for both sides, I do believe that Toronto has more of a structure, and the Florida Panthers don't have some great record in the postseason as well, right? So if I'm looking at Tampa, you know, they just won back-to-back cups. I can't see them going out in the first round. So Tampa... That's probably my least favorite matchup for the Leafs. I think the Leafs could actually put up a fight with Tampa. I think they could potentially beat Tampa. I'm very optimistic about this Leafs team. Matthews, Tavares, Camp, Spezza as your players down the middle, that is a very good hockey team. They have very talented wingers in Nylander and Marner and Bunting and Mikheyev. And, uh, you know, Wayne is so good at his role. This is a very good hockey team, but I just don't want to play Tampa. And then we go to Boston. Boston, you know, they're getting old. They are. There's just no denying. I I still think the Boston Bruins are a very good hockey team. I didn't understand the slander they were getting this offseason. I know they're a bit older, uh, but, you know, Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, if they do get Krejci back to fill that line two center role, they are also one of those teams that are heavily interested and a guy like Jacob Chikrin, Tom Ash Hurdle, if they get Hurdle, then all of a sudden Boston could be, you know, the team to beat in the Atlantic now. That That's a fantastic centerman in San Jose. 
you add that to an already very good Boston Bruins team, and all of a sudden you've got a team that's just as ready to go on paper as every other team in this uh, division. So in terms of this season, maybe this is not the year, but also if the Leafs are able to find a top four defenseman, a guy like Damon Severson, who, you know, I've been saying is, you know, my favorite target for the Leafs. Um, but even like I'm, I'm in total scout mode, as I said on my Twitter this week, I jotted down 50 names that I think the Leafs can have realistic interest in, but I see two cups coming within the next five years. And here's why, just to finish off my point on this topic, if the Leafs pass the first round this season, they are going to be so hard to stop. If they do it next season, they're going to be so hard to stop. If they do it even in the third year, by the time I'm talking about this, they're going to be so hard to stop. Why? Because we all know how good that feeling is when you get the monkey off your back, when you get the weight lifted off your shoulders and with how much weight this Maple Leafs franchise has been carrying from management down to the fourth line, the players that play sporadically with the Marlies that come up once in a while, we know the burden. We know it's all about the playoffs. And I think once they get that off their shoulders, you're going to have Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, Jack Campbell, Peter Morazic, every single player on this roster just playing their game. And that's dangerous because we know when the Leafs are comfortable, that is a top three team in hockey. You cannot change my mind. They're offensive, yes. Can they win that way? For sure. They've got the Vesna goaltending from Campbell right now. That decor is full of veterans and potential young studs. There is no hole on this Maple Leafs team right now, judging off the team on paper. Now, whatever happens with injuries and all that stuff, whoever they bring out the deadline, that's just going to provide an advantage. But I love this Leafs hockey team, and I think they have a very nice future, no matter what people tell you about this first-round kind of propaganda. It will be broken. It will be done. Believe me. Mark my words. Get that put on a T-shirt. It is happening, and it is time to believe. All aboard. Leafs wagon. Am I wrong, boys? Nope. Not wrong at all. See, this is the problem. When I get very into this topic because I'm so sick and tired of, you know, hockey coverage pumping the wheels that the Leafs all oh, nothing. I'm so sick of hearing about the Leafs not doing anything in the playoffs. I'm fed up. I'm sure everybody listening to this is fed up with that narrative. I'm sure you guys are fed up with it. So let's throw it out the window. Come May this year. I believe it's going to happen. Giuseppe, if the Leafs land Damon Severson or any top four uh, right-handed defenseman, how does this change your impact on the way this Leafs team plays hockey? You know what? I will answer that question in one second. Going back to what we were just saying, Joshua Morgante, I want you to remember this episode. Okay? The date is January 25th, 2022. Remember this. All right? Now, going back to acquiring a top four defenseman, I think it just, I, I think it seals the deal, you know. Uh, we have Riley, Brody, Muzzin. I haven't been too fond of Justin Hall this year. Uh, I would want to see someone else in that position. But, yeah, picking up a top four defenseman, we have the offense. We have the goaltending. The only thing, and as a Leafs fan, we can all agree, the only thing that we've been bothered about over the past 
decade almost is the Leafs' lack of defense. So I think one more strong addition to the top four defense is it'll seal the deal. Yeah, man. Like uh, sometimes you hear the term like uh, one player doesn't make it the biggest difference on a team, especially in hockey. But because of the team the Leafs have, like they already have players in like every role on this team. Like they have they have such a strong team that it will only take like little fixes to really bring them to the next level. So bringing in even one really strong top four right-handed defenseman could be all the Leafs need to really get to that next level. You know, like I just said, I'm very adamant on this topic. I think I'm going to be the head campaign of it's time to believe. It's time to, yes, I know the past is not pretty, but what is what, what do people always tell other people? Don't look at your past, right? Move on to your future. It's a new season. This Leafs team did not have a guy like Michael Bunting and Andre Kasha, uh, David Kamp. You know, this Leafs team is extremely different. We're getting that solid goaltending from Jack Campbell. And yes, I totally understand. We all know from experience these these kind of, you know, really good things in the regular season could derail immensely in the playoffs. But if the Leafs go out and they bring in a Justin Braun at the deadline, you know, these kind of little pieces, I don't think the Leafs have to go out there and get a huge name target. Throw Klingberg and Chitrin out the window. That's not what this team needs right now. They don't need another star. They just got to get it done. Bring me anybody that can slot in here in that right-handed role. And here's the thing. With Justin Hall, I'm a Justin Hall believer. I know it's absolutely insane with, like, somebody actually saying that given the year he's had. But, you know, I think he's – He's that guy that he's a pro, right? Like, yes, he has his ups and downs, but he's just a pro. And he plays hard minutes, and a lot of people overlook that. And, yes, he makes some weird decisions sometimes that I'm not defending. But, you know, who doesn't do that, right? It's time to turn the page. This is a Leafs team that's, you know, top to bottom, ready to go. Kyle Dubas, there's nobody I I would have more faith in at the wheel than Kyle right now. I know a lot of people say, oh, he's analytic. Yeah, guess what? Analytics are a tool. So I have faith in the staff he has around him. Everybody knows that this has that last dance vibe to this season. Everybody says, if this Leafs team does not make it on the first round, goodbye Marner or goodbye Nylander or goodbye somebody because there's going to be some serious questions, which I am totally okay with if you want to have that, if this Leafs team gets swept by Florida in May. If that does, you're not going to be hearing from me for a week. I'm just laying that out there. But I am a believer. You guys have to choose to believe because I'm a huge believer. in. if you see it, if you think about it, if you procrastinate about it, it is going to happen. So Leaf Nation, to all listening, buy in now. Believe now. I've said this from the first episode of this season that it is time to turn the page. This is a team that is ready for the playoffs. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares, Morgan Riley, Jack Campbell, Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody, Travis Dermott, Justin Hall. Anybody on that roster, we're all ready to go. I hope you guys are fired up because I cannot wait for this game tomorrow night. I've literally just hyped myself up, and uh, you know I'm really looking forward to May. Joe, before we end this episode, are you 
a believer? Because I know you're kind of the more realistic one here. I'm the optimistic guy. Let's just get your opinion before we end off this episode. Yes, I am a believer. Always have been, always will be. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to be realistic, but at the end of the day, it's go, leaves go. I, if, if I weren't, if I didn't have to put my reputation on the line with the podcast, you know, I'm going out there planning the parade, you know, that's been me for the last decade, but, um, yeah, go leaves go. I'm excited for tomorrow. I'm excited for the year. I have super high hopes and, uh, Ilya Mikheyev. Live with no fear, Joe. Talk about that parade. Believe it. This Leafs <laughs> core, I'm telling you right now, two cups in five years, two cups in six years, they're going to get it done. They're going to get it done. Dan, what do you think? Of course, man. Of course I'm going to believe it. This team's a strong team, man. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate the questions. Remember, if you do want to be featured on this podcast, feel free to reach out to any of the social media platforms, whether that be on Instagram or Twitter or any of our social handles. You can all find it there at BattleBorn, B-R-N, F-Talk on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we appreciate everything you guys do uh, when it comes to listening and reaching out to us. We appreciate the engagement very much. We do this for you guys. We don't make a dime from this. Go Leafs, go. We hope to see you guys again soon. And uh, thanks for listening. That's all from us. Hopefully Leafs beat the Ducks tomorrow. Right, Joe? Yep. Go Leafs, go, boys. We stay hungry, we devour. Oh, my. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening all. And to all, a good night. (laughs) 